what's up what is going on Derek well another week down right so if you don't mind get it off started uh start it off right I guess good stuff so uh always a great way to start a show what do you think of the new uh studio it's bright it's really bright where are we uh your garage uh usually where you're uh I, would, I, I figured your boat would be in here, but you bring up a great point. The fact that we're in my garage now and uh, there's actually room for us to sit because I had to clean it recently because daddy got a boat. <laughs> and uh, what would you name it? <laughs> actually just told that story at dinner. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's a bass tracker, right? But no, right. no, no. It's a bass or bass tracker. Bass or bass. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's really, really fitting, especially for you. You know, having a certain connection to that phrase or whatever, but I laughed pretty hard when you told me. I told Megan she laughed really hard. I was thinking about it. So when I I did the initial post on, I took a picture of it. Uh, we took it out to Silver, and it was an awesome night, and the sun was setting and all that good stuff. So I took a picture, I posted it, and I said, "Hey, the main voyage." Well, I needed to come up with a name, and I thought about it earlier that day. So I posted and said, "The main voyage of the the Basser Base Tracker," and it was pretty comical how many people are like bro that is freaking hilarious and it is did you come with did you come up with that all on your own or did you have some help with that (laughs) you're not baiting me into it (laughs) no i told the story at dinner and it's a hilarious story from my side of it and the people involved that uh, i'm friends with but i think on here i'm gonna not incriminate anybody because i don't know a good way to tell it Yeah? yeah yeah so I'm not trying to get you to tell a story. Oh, actually, like you thinking to name it that name the boat that was that your idea, or did somebody say, "Hey, you should name it that"? Oh no, no. Anytime now, I think of or I hear bass. That's all I think about now is bass or bass, right? So I saw it as the bass tracker, and I was like, oh, "That's pretty funny." Is it a bass tracker? Or is it a bass tracker? And here we are. Fair enough. That's really loud in our microphone. Just so you know, put it in your lap. <laughs> Bailey is enjoying some wonderful-looking pumpkin uh, roll. Pumpkin cake? Pumpkin roll? Well, I mean, fall is right around the corner, right? It is right around the corner. It was a beautiful day today. It was. We woke up, and it was. I got to the boat ramp, and it was 62. 62, yeah. I was in a hoodie, and I was in heaven for, there for a little while. I, I told you, I said, if September, if September 1st rolls around, and it's feeling like that, I'm getting in the tree stand. Um, rather than just going straight to dove, I'll find some time to get out and do some dove hunting. But man, if it, if it feels that cool, if it feels that good, I'm, I'm going after deer. Well, it's kind of comical at this point. Uh, so, uh, my in-laws are in town, so I went and picked them up in Philly the other night. I was telling them it hasn't rained here in weeks, maybe in like two months now. And it's been the nineties, high nineties here. And, uh, I think I became a liar because they, uh, they show up and sure enough, 
it's now cooled off. It rained. We had a great lightning storm the other night. We just sat out on the front patio and just watched it light up the sky. And then since that storm rolled in, now it's 62 woke up. And I think it was like 82 to this today. So it's cooled off quite a bit. And uh, it's the first hint that fall is definitely on the way, which means hunting season. Hunting season's here. Almost. Um, and you've got an awesome place here in the backyard to kind of watch one. Like a thunderstorm or something right over the marsh, wide open. It's kind of like um, when I used to be, or live right across the street from the beach. Um, we had a balcony on top of the house and when there was like thunderstorms happening over the ocean, it was really cool to watch. Watch them roll in. Yeah. Have you ever seen lightning strike water? Not like up close, but like out the distance. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We used to go up in uh, my dad's condo and we would watch the storms rolling in and when it starts popping, you know, it's really a proper Florida storm, if you will. Mm -hmm. And we just sit there and I remember the first time I watched lightning strike water and the explosion happened and everything. And you're just like, pretty crazy the actually i was telling john that the other night it's crazy to think that we're just so numb to a lightning strike that that's just what we think about like hey it's just lightning but to actually know what lightning is and the what it takes for it to happen and that you can die from this thing randomly you'll just be walking nice sunny day clouds off in the distance and i heard a statistic the other day that more people are struck by lightning five miles out from the storm than they are during a storm really I don't know how much truth is in that, but it's like, that kind of makes sense. You know, well, where'd you read it? Uh, no, it was on a podcast. I was listening I was to yeah, it was a guy who got struck by lightning. It was talking about how he survived it and all this stuff. Interesting. Crazy. I'll keep that in mind. Cause I've always thought like, well, cause we always say, I guess that's why lightning within five is the thing. Boom. Oh. <laughs> Damn. The air force got something right. <laughs> mind blown. Yeah, dude. Lightning within five, get inside, right? All right. I'm going to take it a little bit more seriously now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We actually, uh, John and I were talking, and we saw a video that these four people were underneath a tree. And I, I don't know who was taking the video. It was like a security camera, maybe camera or something. And it's four people under a tree, and it's obviously a storm going on. And lightning hits the tree, and all four of them just seize up and just collapse onto the ground like boards, stiff boards. And all four of them got zapped at the same time. It's crazy to see somebody getting electrocuted, like the videos of it. You just see them get like stiff and like fall over and they almost look like they're having a seizure for a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's kind of wild to see. It, especially, I can only imagine like seeing that in person, not expecting it. Because like when you click on a video on YouTube, like dude gets electrocuted, you're expecting it. But like out of nowhere, that's got to be a, like a frightening thing. Super scary. Have you ever been bit? By what? Or I'm zapped, or I don't know what you call it. I always say, damn, that thing just shocked me. You know, I just got <laughs> I bit by like, the outlet. You said, did I get bit? Yeah. And I'm like, well, this just turned. Yeah, uh, no, no. Have you ever been uh, like zapped, you know, messing around with your uh, your plug or something? I can't say that I have. I actually just got hit in the garage the other day. I was messing around uh, with an extension cord, and I had my thumb on the ground and when I was plugging it in. And, uh, yeah, it shocked me. My whole arm went numb for a little bit. I was like, damn, hmm. that was dumb. Don't touch the prongs when you're plugging it in weird yeah i know common sense stuff right i was also i told john the story the other night that uh when we were moving out of washington we sold our home one of the things that needed to be fixed was the garbage disposal switch and it was sticky you know you'd turn it on and nothing would happen you have to like shove it up to actually get the garbage disposal to work so here i am thinking i'm an electrician so i change it out and the switch out and i never turned the power to the house off i was just like yeah i'm smart enough to just not touch things together right well 
when my pliers were holding on to the positive, I was leaning over to grab something and I touched it to another hot wire and it like tack welded my pliers together. Mm. Massive spark in the house, turned off all the electricity, of course, knocked me down. You know, like, oh shit. Closest I've ever come is when like tightening uh, something on like the boat battery, like tightening one of the bolts on the battery for the boat, like over tighten it and you get a spark or something. That's the closest I've ever been, I think. You ever like a nine volt battery? No. No? No, I never did. Isn't that how you test them when you're a kid, right? You like a nine volt battery and see. My dad. <laughs> Am I, I the only one? <laughs> my dad tried to get me to do it, but I learned through experience that if my dad's really trying to get me to do something, I probably shouldn't do it yeah. because he's just he's he's looking for a laugh. Yeah, he's will think it's hilarious, but I was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Nine volt batteries are pretty crazy in the sense of how universal they are. And what I mean by that is we actually made like hand warmers out of them where we just took the opposite prongs, connected them and make a complete circuit there. And it literally makes them into like little hand warmers. But I'm wondering how long would they have to be on maybe to potentially have this go bad? Right. Cause I would think they could eventually like explode or something. I don't know. I just know we always connect them together and hurry up, pull them apart and they heat up. Now you have little hand warmers. It doesn't seem like the greatest idea in the world, but I mean, I guess, hey, if it works, if you're in a pinch. Well, we always had them uh, in like our kit and stuff because you can also uh, take steel wool and that's how you start a fire. Ah, little survival trick then. Boom. When people have questions, leads us right into maybe uh, our QA, right? Yeah, a little bit. So we've gotten a, a few questions from a few different people. Um... Luckily, they were nice enough to, you know, think of things kind of short notice. Um, so which one do you want to do first? First off, I just want to confirm, like, do you not hear an echo? I just want to make sure that's I have a really bad echo. All right, cool. Anyway, so let's hope uh, no one else hears it. So we actually have quite a few actually from. We'll start first with the uh, the one that guy posted. Who is it? Ryan? Yeah, Ryan. He's got a good one. All right, I'm pulling it up right now because I just want to read it verbatim and make sure we're saying this correct. All right, you ready? So when we ask a question, let's go ahead and ask. Give it a second to think about it. And I want to hear your perspective slash answer, and then I'll tell you mine. And then we'll see how funny this gets or serious it gets. So from Ryan, what's the biggest alligator you could kill with your bare hands? How funny is this first question? So I love this first question because a while back we had the flight commander, uh, BD. <laughs> he was convinced that he could take on a six foot alligator to the death, just as bare hands. And we, we argued about this for like three weeks. Basically, I was on the side of no way you can do it. No way in hell. You're like 145 pounds soaking wet. Right? So there's just no way. Um, if I, I had to guess for me, I would say keep thinking. I want to inject real quick. Okay. Let me start off with uh, first saying B-dubs. You're the man. Yeah. BD was good shit. 
and to hear how confident he was in his answer, and he snap called it too. He was immediately, yeah, he's uh, oh, six foot gator. I got it. And I was like, okay, let's talk about this rationally. So let's do a breakdown, right? I'm looking at at, uh, the details first. Obviously, this is a pretty direct question on bare hands. So bare hand combat with a gator. How big of a gator, right? Well, what's the playing field? The reason why I brought that up, I brought up to BD too. I was like, well, what is the playing field? Because obviously in the water, the gator is going to win, right? So on land, we have the upper hand. However, gators have evolved over the last, I don't know, 100 million years to become what they are, which is an apex predator. So in saying that, could we control the environment? And I said, that is a huge detail there. So what I mean by that is the reptiles. So could I potentially do hand-to-hand combat with this gator if it was like 50 degrees out? Because 50 is going to play better to us than 95 degrees out. They're pretty amped up. They got some warm blood in them. Or, which chill them, slow them down, and we have the upper hand, right? So these are just small details I was trying to pick his brain on. He's like, oh, I don't give a hell. Like, Whatever. I'll up six foot gator. I got it. Um, well, the other aspect of it is like, how do you kill with your, bare with your bare hands? Because I'm looking at, we are the best rock throwers this earth's ever seen. Could I find a rock? Yeah. But, but no, cause it says with your bare hands. So now I'm looking at, I just have to smash this gator on the ground or hit it against the tree or, or I guess happy Gilmore drown it. Right. That's obviously a joke. You're not going to drown a gator. Yeah, I was just thinking. <laughs> I'm like, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to drown a gator. You're not holding it underwater for 45 minutes or whatever they can hold their breath for. So, I mean, I can pick up a four-foot gator. I got to tire it out first, right? I'm thinking four feet is the biggest gator I can take, it, take care of. You can pick up a six-foot gator, though. But the idea is how much energy does a six-foot gator have? A lot. And yeah. they're strong. Yeah. I mean, I showed you that video of the sheriff's department loading one in the back of the truck. And just when the guy who was on the head throws in the back of the truck, it rears up and does a death roll and hits him in the face and knocks him out. And that's a, that was a six foot, seven foot gator. And it, it took three guys to pick it up. It wasn't even like a full on death roll. It just shook its head and caught him right in the jaw. Done. I'm going to say I'm five foot 10, so I could take on a five foot 10 gator. Yeah. Bare hands. If I have the upper uh, environment on land, obviously, and uh, cool weather. Yeah, I'm doing it. So by that, I should be able to take on a six foot gator then. I don't know, because we got to think half of the gator is its tail. Maybe a little less, but still, they're still so strong. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna stick with five feet. I'll say five feet is probably the max that I will take on hand to hand and expect to win. But once again, how in hand to hand, how are you killing this? I mean, you can't choke it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's a great question. Um, I haven't gotten that far. I just I feel comfortable enough to be able to say, okay, I, I don't think this thing is gonna be able to get a hold of me to the point where it can kill it or where he can kill me. But I feel like I can find a way to kill him. 
Also remember, gators have no opening strength. Right, because I know for a fact I can hold a 12-foot gator's mouth shut. Yeah, I that's why that for sure. when you see him take down a gator, they use electrical tape, wrap it around its snout seven, eight, ten times, whatever it is, and you're like, it's electrical tape. That's crazy. Well, they have no opening power. It's just closing power. Mm-hmm. I think they say, what, a five-year-old can hold a 12-foot gator's mouth shut? Damn. Yeah, I don't know if that's true or not, but damn, that's crazy. Theoretically, obviously. I mean, I've I've held gators. And to think, yeah, six-foot gator, I can hold its mouth shut. Yeah. All right, yeah, so yeah, final answer, five feet for me. Five-ten for me. So you're saying almost six feet. Pound for pound, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'll go with BD on this one. I'll take on a six-foot gator. Uh, Man, I guess I have too much respect for him. I still still don't think BD would beat a six-footer. I just love how confident he was. He was so confident. He he took so much offense to us set, or to me saying, "No, this thing would beat you." I mean, it's just pretty funny. This this one question went on for like two weeks. I would randomly get phone calls. I'm busy doing something. I saw he's calling. I'd answer it. Hey, what's up? And he so on the idea of it being you know six foot. Get, and it's like, oh my god, here we are. Yeah. So I'll say I'll go with BD. I'll I'll take on six foot Gator. Why not? All right. All right. You ready? I got some other. Sure. Shoot. Um, let me just find some crazy ones. What's the most fun animal to hunt? Oh, okay. Um, I think my favorite animal to hunt so far that I've had the chance to is doves. I've just like, cause the whole, the whole thing is pretty fast paced, pretty action packed. Um, Especially if you have like a whole field of people out there, because you have—I mean, if you have a good field, they're call, they're making call outs, like something's happening all the time. Your head's constantly on a swivel. Birds flying in left, right, right over, right over your head. You know, just very action packed. And I can agree with you on the the bird aspect of it. I would say I love deer hunting. I think the most uh, adrenaline I've had was elk hunting. But there's something to be said about sitting in a tree stand for hours by yourself versus in a blind with your your bros, you know, uh, going after duck. Absolutely. Um, you can literally, you know, smoke a cigar, you know, hang out, have a fire. We literally had a fire one day just hanging out and all of a sudden here come ducks, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, duck hunting is incredibly social. Um, Jade, who we had in our last episode, he will sometimes bring like a propane tank little burner yeah. he'll cook in the blind bring a little skillet and he'll and he will legit cook breakfast in the blind that's not an exaggeration yeah, you're not worried about any of the scent or anything right no not at no. all you don't have yeah. to worry about anything only yeah. thing i have to worry about is like when you see a duck sit down shut up i guess try and call him in pheasant hunting's fun i haven't done that yet super uh honestly like I don't, know, I don't know, not high speed or fast pace. It's it's exciting, right? You'll just be walking and all of a sudden something just jumps out of the brush. It's loud. You get excited. You have moments to react, kind of like dove hunting. Just bigger, loud. Yeah, because the doves will come out of nowhere too. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, you're, at least where we hunt here, you're sitting in like this sunflower field, you know, it's about chest high for me. You know, 
and can come out of nowhere, like from your right. If you, you know, you're looking to the left, comes to the right real fast, and you're like, oh shit. Well, there's different types of pheasant hunting. The one that kind of I'm like, I don't agree with it is you have to join a club and then you pay for however many birds. So you say, I want 12 birds, 10 birds, whatever. And right. They're not cheap. So you buy your birds and then they just go out and release them. And then you go on the hunt to find those pheasants. If you don't get them all, well, guess what? There's now wild pheasants running around. But how we did it is where there was this big field by where we went duck hunting and it was just always filled with pheasants. And I got this pheasant once that its tail feathers was it's purple. I don't know if you can see my daughter's scooter right there. It was like a burgundy almost purple color and this feather was like 16 18 inches long and i stuck it in my hat when i went to oktoberfest and it's all about you know you get big old feathers in your hat when you're at oktoberfest and everyone kept looking at me and i was like man this is so tacky but it's not because i took that bird and that's kind of like a pride thing and how many people came up and was like nice feather it's like yeah pheasant hunting's fun nice i enjoy it i think deer hunting is more rewarding i feel i get more of a sense of joy or more of a sense of pride after after uh, harvesting a deer than I do like doves, but like the actual process as far as just just pure fun, it's probably doves. But I for sure doves. Not that, not not this. I mean, obviously, I have so much fun deer hunting. Love doing the um, you know, sitting out there early in the morning. It's great. But. Not only that with deer, it's a it's a journey. There's nothing like more rewarding in my mind than going out in spring. I start running my trail cameras. I start putting a bait out if I'm in an area that allows it. Always go up and check the trail cameras. There's when you sit down on the ground there by your trail camera or my stand, and I put that SIM card in. You start looking. Oh, I just got three thousand photos, and you just start go. Oh my god, this one has velvet already. Look at this growth, and then you see it evolve into a good mature buck. And then you're literally following that animal for five, six months and then start season. You go into your stand, you already have a pattern built. And then when you see him or there's always does, but when you see that buck that you've been watching grow now for all those months or even years, I used to have a boss who would catalog his deer and he's one of the best whitetail hunters I've ever seen. And he had a three ring binder and he named every deer. He watched him grow. He said, I'll take that one about two years probably. And it's just crazy to watch that journey. And then you see it come to fruition at the very end when you're sitting there with your buck like man this was a journey and just that reward but for exciting to answer that question i'm gonna stick with duck hunting yeah yeah i'm confident in that i'll say duck hunting it took one duck hunting trip for me to be hooked we didn't even kill anything jay took me out he'd been trying to get me to go for a little bit i had never done it i didn't really even have a gun i could use but he was nice enough to let me borrow one and then after one time, yeah, that was it. I like the next day I went and spent almost a thousand dollars on gear and like not even an exaggeration, new gun, decoys, waders, the whole nine yards. And, uh, it was awesome. I, I think just the social aspect of it is what makes it so much more like as far as just like fun, you know? I agree. All right. All right, this is a, a question from a really good friend of mine. Cassie, thank you. I have no idea how to answer this one. <laughs> I'm just being honest. What's the most important survival skill you've ever learned? Man, you can go so many ways with that. Um, 
So just right off the top of my head, I'm going to immediately say how to have clean water. Because what's going to kill you quicker? Starvation or dehydration? But even then, I can just kind of play the asshole card and just say, okay, get water and boil it. Okay, but like if you don't know how to do that, right? That's something very yeah, simple yeah, yeah, for no. you yeah, and yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Because we know it. But if you, for whatever reason, don't know it, that can kill you fast. I love watching uh, Naked and Afraid. Right. And there's this one particular episode I'm thinking about. I forgot the guy's name. He goes on, and this guy was pompous, and he drank bad water. It's because he got lazy, and he didn't want to boil it, and he didn't want to clean it. So he literally goes up to this like rocky outcropping that has a little dribble of water coming out of it. And on camera, he puts his mouth up to it, and he says, hey, don't tell my partner I do this, but uh, I need this water. And he drinks from it, and he gets some kind of parasite, and he ends up getting medivac, and he's in the hospital for like seven days with kidney failure. My goodness. All because you didn't purify your water. Right. Idiot. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's something so basic as far as like the basics of survival. But as with anything, the basics are so important. I mean, for my answer on this one, I don't know. I mean, I like I said, you can go in any direction, right? So I just have phrases that pop up in my head, like slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Cooler heads prevail. I mean, all this stuff holds true. I mean, you can read some amazing stories. Like for the last, what, three episodes now, we keep talking about if you had to eat someone, could you do it? So it's, I think about that stuff. Like how far would I go in a survival situation and what would be that skill I need? the number one skill that everyone needs is how to signal to recovery or find out where you are so you can get mm. out. Like, cause what's the overall goal, right? It's not to keep surviving. It's go home. Right. The, the number one goal is go home. So how do I make this happen? Well, build a signal, you find something to make into a signal, uh, you know how to use a radio. I don't know that that stuff goes a long way, but I can't, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Like what's the most, the most important survival skill. I don't know. Well, for me, like I said, I staying got alive. I got right? it. Yeah. I got my answer. It's so it's a silly prioritize. Knowing how to prioritize. Yeah. Prioritize your basic needs, right? What do you do in your everyday life and how do I apply it to my new situation, my new scenario? So what do I do? And I think like I, I give this example pretty often, but it's like when you wake up in the morning, the very first thing you do, what's the very first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Brush your teeth. So you immediately jump out of bed, and run as fast as you can, go brush your teeth. Well, no. Okay, so what's the very first thing you do in the morning? I guess get out of bed. You don't just lay in bed for a few minutes. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to dumb this down, like yeah, like, okay, I'm so literally yeah, dumb mean, it down. I, I wake up, lay in bed, play on my phone for a while. Okay, so you look at some fire ass memes, right? Memes. <laughs> yeah, you get your uh, your 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 brain thinking. No, I'm, I'm actually being serious when I say, what's the very and I ask so many people this, what's the very first thing you do? And everyone says, you know, I wake up, turn my alarm off. Okay, so you have to be told when to wake up. You never wake up on your own, right? Uh, Whatever okay. it might be. So what I'm getting at here is, what do you do? Because now it's you don't have the comfort of your own home anymore, your own bed. You now have the comfort of your shelter or the tree you slept under. So as soon as you wake up. You know how important your your psyche is in this moment? That psychological aspect of survival, to just lay there for a minute and think, okay, I'm alive. What is what is my goal for today? To get fresh water, 
to build a signal to prioritize. First thing you do is lay there. So when you wake up in your bed tomorrow, think, what's the first thing I'm going to do? Prioritize your life in that moment. Okay, probably get on social media or brush my teeth or start getting coffee going. I'm so lazy. Alexa, start coffee. And then my wife broke our coffee pot, so now Alexa doesn't start our coffee for us anymore. <laughs> so I have to do it the manual way. First Your passion way is it weather? Prioritize. I'm going with that answer. That's solid. And then uh, she has other questions, but I just want to answer this one. Bonus question, she says, is uh, what is America's national drinking song? I got one. I got one. <laughs> what do you have? Oh, man. It's between two, actually. Go. So, Garth Brooks, Friends in Low oh, Places. Cool. That, that, yeah, that's a solid answer, as well as probably karaoke song. Yes. Or Hank Williams Jr., Family Tradition. Probably more to friends in low places. Though. Yeah, I don't. I don't buy the second one. Okay, friends in low places for sure. So, America's national drinking song. So I'm gonna one up the America. I'm gonna say the world's drinking song. You ready? Sweet Caroline. You don't think so? I don't know about that one. I mean, it's a whole lot of fun when you're drunk for, and you have a whole bar or. Hell, football stadiums, a lot of fun when exactly. that song comes on. Exactly. However, I mean, you also have like, I don't know, you can go down the road. You have Piano Man. You have all these. There's some great drinking songs. Everyone just grab your beer. However, the reason why I'm giving this answer is because uh, we so happen to be in Oktoberfest. And when, like you said, a stadium. Well, when you're in the the beer gardens, you're in the tents and there's 13,000 people all with a liter of beer in their hand and Sweet Caroline comes on. It doesn't matter where you're from. Everyone puts their glass up and everyone starts singing. It's a great feeling. But as far as America's though. Sweet Caroline. Well, yeah, I, like, I know it. <laughs> what I'm getting at is we should drink. <laughs> oh, no, I, mean, I'm, I need more whiskey. Oh, for sure. Uh, we have the ice right here if you want some. Probably melting. Oh well. Great question because there's a lot of memories that uh, her family and my family have together to that song. Uh, let's see. I got another great one. Chris, I told you that this is a great question, and it is a great question. What do you prefer more, and why? The beach or the woods slash mountains? What specifically helps you to come to that conclusion? This is a hard one. Not for me. Ohio. <laughs> well, I lived in Daytona yeah, that's for right. six years. That's right, yeah. Maybe it's more about where you were born, though. I was born in Georgia. The mountains. I guess South Georgia doesn't really have them. Yeah, I was born in Southeast Georgia. St. Mary's, right there at uh, Kings Bay. Because my dad was a Marine. So, that's like the southeast corner of Georgia. Okay. I'm still assuming because you haven't said it, but why do you prefer the mountains? Yeah, it's mountains and woods. Um, probably because I think it's – every time I go to the beach, I'm surrounded by people. 
every time I go, or most of the time, you're going to the wrong beach. I go to the mountain. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. But most of the time, I go to the mountains or the woods. I'm by myself. It's a lot more peaceful um, for me. Plus, usually when I'm out there, I'm hunting. It's usually like I don't mind being cold. I prefer cold over heat. So if I'm in a tree stand and it's like chilly, I'm super happy. Um, now don't get me wrong. I love to fish on the beach. I love, I love to swim in the ocean and things, but as far as the, the people aspect alone, I'm picking mountains and woods. I think, uh, hopefully John has my back on this. How nice is it when you are standing on the beach at Anna Maria Island or Clearwater? It's 95 degrees out white sand beach blue crystal clear water i i'm sure that's amazing i mean literally when everyone's like i'm gonna retire to paradise it's usually a beach place don't get me wrong i the more or the longer i stayed in uh, spokane the mountains grew on me more and more mm-hmm. like year six year seven i'm just like geez man like this is home I love it, and I do miss it because we don't have any of that here. However, every time my wife and I decide to go on vacation, we base it around a beach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a beach baby or water baby, whatever you want to call me. Surf, dive, fish. I have to have a beach. No, I I loved living across the street from the beach. I loved living in Daytona. Um. I had a lot of fun fishing there, you know, playing football on the beach and everything. Yeah. But as I get older, I want to be around people a lot less. By the way, you could have not agreed with me if you <laughs> if you said, no, the mountains are way better. <laughs> I would say uh, mountains and the beach if you've got the opportunity. I mean, that's the, the trifecta, or I guess the not the tri, there's no third one. Well, woods, but anyway, uh, yeah, we get like Hawaii or some places in uh, – California, yeah, where you can, especially in Hawaii, you can snowboard one, or uh, California, you can snowboard and then surf in the same day and stuff like that. So it's like, all right, that's cool. Yeah, you can. If you're rich, who cares? Yeah, right. (laughs) You have it all. If you have enough money, you can totally do that. Yeah, for the people that say you can't buy happiness, like I told you today, I was like, I don't think I've ever been on my boat and I have found myself frowning. (laughs) <laughs> i've definitely had some really bad boat days yeah that will happen but that's a part of the territory so i know she really wants me to ask this question and it's a legit one and when i asked my daughter if you could ask any question right now what would you come up with and she came up with a i came like a, i thought this came across as like a, a funny question but then she explained it and i was like oh she's actually being serious you ready how do you get dressed if you're in a wheelchair and she asked that because we told a story the other day of uh, I was in a wheelchair once for about three weeks and uh, I had a parachuting accident. And oh, I was about to ask, was that for the parachuting? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to save that story for another episode because I say all the time, if I'm going to be a stand up comedian one day, I'm going to have that story because it is a comical story. Looking back, it is at the time it sucked. But yeah, I was at Airborne. I had a, a parachuting uh, incident where I hit the ground and snapped my tibia and the army put a titanium rod in my leg. So while it was healing, I was in a wheelchair. And when we told that story, cause like I said, there's so many funny parts to the story to include, uh, the ending of that. 
uh, I think it's a, it's a fair question. How do you get dressed if you're in a wheelchair? Well, for me, I had one good leg still. So it was pretty easy. I could still just stand up if I needed to, you know, and uh, slowly get dressed. And definitely for the first like week and a half of it, I had my wife helping me where I couldn't even move my leg. I was about to say, um, with assistance and, and it's probably okay. a slow process. It's okay to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. Not I, just my, for getting dressed with other things as well, but yes. Yeah. My first like two days I had too much pride and I was like, I don't need anyone's help. I got this. But then I realized like, no, it's just, just do it. You know, just ask for help. Slow process, babe. Slow. Take your time. So you don't hurt yourself further and, uh, gets easier because you get better at doing it right yes okay anything with practice anything with practice will get easier all right there's some great ones you ready all right stand up or ground game <laughs> you know my answer <laughs> i i wouldn't hold on what am i better at or what do i prefer what do you prefer I think you like throwing punches. Yeah. I like kickboxing better. I like saying that better. I, I enjoy it more. Yeah. I watch you. Like, that sounded weird. <laughs> I, I've seen I watch you. you. I watch you. No, like you can see your reaction. Like most people get into the zone and you smile. You actually listen when people are giving you feedback too. They say, keep your hands up or, hey, he's dropping his right, whatever it is. You listen to that. So you can see you're more comfortable, I would say in your stand-up game than versus when uh, we're on the ground. Being able to take a punch and keep going. But ground is... Which one's more important, too? I mean, this is a whole other avenue. Of... That I mean, that's a debate that's been raging for years, right? Um, however, I'll say this, right? Charles Oliveira, how has he won his last three or four title fights? Submissions. Yeah. Right, the some of I'm just thinking of all the examples now. Right, yeah. I mean, because there's that old adage: every fight goes to the ground at some point. Ninety percent of fights go to the ground, or whatever it is. Right, unless you have two stand-up guys fighting each other. Yeah, that's the only time. But even then, you can become intertwined, and you both end up on the ground. Right. Same. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Do you know what my answer is? Ground. Yeah. Um, judging by the fact that you used my top to choke me out the other day. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I should show you. I don't, you didn't see the videos from this past week, did you? I did not. I uh, took a guy's back and he pinned me up against the, the matted wall there. And then he was trying to like make me uncomfortable by stacking me on my own neck. But I had his back. I'm not going get, to get off his back, you know. So he had me pinned against the the mat. My head was kind of like kinked to the side, but it was enough to where I was like looking at my own body when I'm on his back and I looked down and I saw my belt just hanging there. And I was like, huh, I'm just going to choke him with my own belt. So I literally just tightened my belt a little tighter. So I had more of a tail and I just wrapped it around his neck and I'll show you the video. It's kind of funny because he thought to just gator roll out of it. And I'm not letting go of his back once I have it. So he literally just rolled deeper into me choking him with my own belt. Who was it? <laughs> no names. Uh, <laughs> You'll see. Tell me after. Oh, there's some funny. Vi- uh, actually. Oh, we've got some great pictures and videos from uh, us doing those. From us doing those. Uh, look, someone, someone made a, a meme. 
solid. <laughs> that is hilarious. So obviously, you know, uh, he's not having a good time. Don't give me your back. <laughs> Straight up not having a good time. So stand up or ground. Well, stand up is important, right? But I think when it comes to stand up, it's all about knowing those ranges. So stay out of the uh, the dangerous uh, haymaker because you don't have to know how to punch. You just get lucky sometimes and hit someone in the right spot, right? Sure. So stay out of that range. Like Floyd Mayweather, he's the best at staying out of range. So Or a, a judger of range, if you will. But then eventually, you know, if you do make it to the ground, it's very important to know what to do when another grown human is on top of you, suffocating you, smushing your face into the ground, whatever it is. So I'm a fan of the ground. Fair enough. Yeah, that's my answer on that one. All right. Keep going. Yeah, might as well. These are fun. Yeah, I got some good ones. Let's see. <laughs> this one's silly. My wife asked sunrise or sunset. That's actually a really good question. Um, sunset. Yeah. I mean, especially when we're duck hunting over here, right? Because we'll be in the duck blind. And if you're lucky, you'll be facing the direction of the sunset. Or you'll have a good view of the sunset. You don't, yeah. you don't, want, it, you don't want your eye line to be directly in it, but you want to be able yeah. to see it. Yeah. Um, and like over the marsh... That's something else. Yeah. I'm a night owl. I guess that's the right phrase, right? Yeah. So when the sun's going down, that's when, uh, yeah, just beginning. And I think part of my uh, answer is because I've had a lot of bushes play tricks on me in the morning when, you know, you're in the, when you're in the tree stand or something, you're low light, you're like, oh, what's that? And the sun comes up and you can see everything. You're like, oh, it's just a fucking bush. Yeah. But I do like a good sunrise when you are in a tree stand and you oh, it's a sure. crisp morning. You know, there's some frost on the ground. That sun finally peaks up. Oh, it warms I, up 10, 15 degrees. Yeah. I mean, when I've, I've said this a few times last last year was one of my favorite moments ever deer hunting. And I was I was sitting in a state blind. My son, hell, my back was to the sunrise, but I had a I had a nice warm cup of coffee. It was a nice chilly morning. I don't know, probably like thirty two degrees, and there was an eagle behind me that was waking up, and he was doing his little chatter and everything. And the sun's coming up, it's getting lighter. It was just really cool. I still go to sunset though. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Uh, this is from my friend Alex, actually, who said, uh. And I know what he's trying to do, and I'll talk to that story here in a second. But uh, what's your most memorable camping experience? So I'll tell you the two stories. The first one is what I think he wants me to talk to, which is two weeks before I left for uh, the military. I was doing a lot of uh, backpacking, rucking, just being out in the woods. And we, Alex and I, and another guy who actually uh, went through basic with me and uh, did a lot of training for about nine months. He trained with me. So uh, we became friends, if you will. So we decided one day to uh, let's go, let's go, uh, let's go camp. You know, we have two weeks left, and let's just get out to the outdoors and have some fun. Well, we went to a state reserve, 
no one was there and there was a sign on the <laughs> the front that said if you plan to camp overnight call this number so we parked in the parking lot there and uh we looked at each other and we're like should we call and then my friend goes uh yeah, we'll, we'll be okay so we decided to go backpacking we're going to be doing an overnight trip so we go walking in it flooded if i remember correctly like a couple days leading up to it just massive flooding there's freaking water moccasins everywhere and so sure enough we are uh we find the only campsite that you're quote unquote authorized to stay in for the night so we go to that one campsite and while we're there it was pretty dark. I mean, it was probably it was like 10, 30, 11. We had a fire going and there's helicopter kept flying overhead and it had a searchlight on us. I'm like, what is that thing doing? He's looking, oh, that's weird. And we're all like, are we supposed to be here or not? Like, I don't want to get arrested, you know, about to be for the freaking you know, military. And so, uh, sure enough, about 10 minutes later, a set of headlights come down the road and a guy comes in pissed and he's screaming at us. Well, what it was is they had drove by and saw that there was an abandoned vehicle there. Well, it wasn't, it was our freaking vehicle. And they thought we were lost in the woods because we didn't call and reserve it or tell them. So they actually sent a search helicopter out looking for us. So that guy showed up and was pissed. And we explained it. No, we're just here camping. We got a fire. We're just hanging out. And he was like, you guys are dumb. <laughs> okay. <laughs> are we in trouble? No? Okay, cool. So I think that's the one that Alex wanted me to, uh, to share. But uh, my actual most memorable one, I would say, that was a definitely a turning point in my life was I was uh, in the Boy Scouts. And we got into our first backpacking experience. We planned for it. It was supposed to be a three-day trip. We had all the food divvied up. Uh, it was our first experience navigating like proper through the woods, not really following a trail. And we ended up having a tropical storm roll in that weekend, not a hurricane, tropical storm. And the, the temperatures dropped. So for Florida, when it's in the 50s and 60s, that's pretty freaking cold. So the temperature dropped. It was still pouring down rain. We didn't even pack rain gear. We All we had was uh, black trash bags that we just poked a hole and put our heads through. And here we are. I think there was probably like six dads and then like 15 kids, you know, 15 boys. And we went in. I think it was probably around eight, nine miles into our first spot we got to. And that night we slept. It dumped rain. And a huge lesson learned is we slept on a hill. And all the water kept rolling down the hill and it flooded our tent. So me and my two friends who are lifelong friends of mine, uh, all three of us were in the tent in water, just water stayed in the, the tent. So we sat there soaking wet, shivering all night. We woke up the next morning. They walked around to make sure everyone was good. And we weren't, we were hypothermic. And so they saw how severe we actually, like how bad we were. And so they panicked and tried to start a fire. Well, since it had flooded for days and then that night to look up and see six grown ass men, struggle to start a fire that was ultimately what we needed to save our life. I mean, was there other means? Yeah. I mean, getting a warm sleeping bag, you know, uh, make us work out in all honesty, make us do burpees. <laughs> you know, we would have warmed up, but uh, to see that they didn't know any of this at the time, they were literally just like start a fire. That's all they knew. We need to get a fire going. So to see six adults and here I am, I'm probably like sixth grade, seventh grade. They struggled. It took hours. They were doing everything wrong. Now that I know, freaking right way to do everything to see like their principles were way off they were using wood from the ground they were soaking wet just stuff like that and they struggled for hours and to watch clay brian and i sit there and just shiver you know like we're so cold and no one even told us like hey take your wet shirt off we just sat there like just sh shivering still raining a little bit that morning but like i said that was a memorable slash a turning point in my life because i realized like i don't want that happen to me 
not to like diminish those individuals because they're great guys, but to like to see someone's life could have been on the line in simple principles of dry dead wood, get to the inside, dead standing tree with bark on it, take it down, get to that dry dead center, start a fire. They were literally pulling. I remember watching them pull a uh, dead wood off the ground and they're like, this is dead wood. And it literally just be soaking wet. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of wild to think that they can be in charge of you guys without having at least, I don't know. It just seems like that's some knowledge they should have, but that's just me though. Crazy. So I think I... the idea there is it's a culmination, right? Six adults between the six of us, we should be able to figure it out. And they all had medical qualifications and stuff, but to know that, yeah, to start a, a dry fire. I'm also surprised they didn't have other means like blankets or something to be able to put you in or some kind, especially if they're medical trained, they should know like how to combat hypothermia, especially if they're, ta- if they're in charge of a bunch of kids going out camping. But I think this is a perfect storm, right? Because it's Florida. How often do people go hypothermic in Florida? So do we train for it? I didn't learn about hypothermia until I was probably 17, 18 years old. That's very fair. That's fair. Even though surfing, you know, it gets cold in the wintertime. We'll be out December, January wearing wetsuits and you're cold, but you're like, yeah, I'm just cold. I didn't know what hypothermia was. Yeah. um, Yeah, I didn't think about that aspect of it. That's fair. So for me, um, most memorable... It's got to be survival training, you know, learning actually how to uh, do these things we're talking about. Um, Learn, I, I learned, I learned, I learned a lot and actually, you know, your friend being one of the guys that were uh, there teaching me and then we, we meet all these years later and connect those dots kind of wild but um i remember uh our first night there so they taught us how to make snares and stuff right so we set some snares he's not expecting us to catch anything well the next morning we wake up and you know it's time to move to the next campsite and do some lessons and One of us asked, I forget who it was, it might have been, might have been me. We're like, hey, uh, you know, do you mind if we go check our snares, go see if we caught anything? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever, go ahead. So out of all the snares we caught, or all, all the snares we set out, mine was the only one to actually catch something. It's a good feeling. It, it was awesome. So we caught the squirrel, and I come, we come, me and this other guy come rolling back to camp. I got this dead squirrel in my hand i'm feeling like king shit man and then um you know the instructor's like oh yeah you know let's clean this thing and uh we'll have it for dinner this will just be like the group's dinner that everybody gets to share that you know the rest of the groups don't get to have so he shows us how to get it real quick he cuts it up and uh he says well hey man you it was your snare to get it um, pick somebody to carry it. And there was another, uh, enlisted guy and, uh, or I'm sorry, not a, another lower enlisted. And I'm like, Hey man, you mind carrying this thing? 
He's like, yeah, sure. So we're hiking through the mountains all day long. Finally, and you know, it's cold. It's February in the mountains. Snow's everywhere. We're trying to walk in these snowshoes, which is a disaster in itself. (laughs) The best thing to watch. I'm sure we look like newborn deer trying to walk. So we do that, and then finally, after a long day, and I don't know how many miles we were, we were, we, we were up to the snow. But we get to our next campsite, and we set up, and I was like, "Hey, man, you know, let's break out that squirrel. Let's 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 get it cooking." He's like, "Oh yeah, sure, man." So he opens up his pack, and he can't find it, and. He's a, and he's looking, he's looking, and he doesn't have it. And he tell and, and this squirrel, the the idea of this squirrel has been getting me through most of the day. You know, like I'm like yeah. I'm like oh man, I get to have this squirrel. I'm so I'm like even though it's gonna be like a leg, right? I don't care. I get to have some. I'm so excited. And then we get there, and to find out that this guy either left it at the last camp yeah. or somehow dropped it somewhere. I wanted to fight him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then there's that... That victory taken away from you, too. Well, that, too. A huge hit to morale, right? So now we've actually put this into a survival kind of situation. When you have that hit to your morale, I mean, that does... That can do a lot of bad things. So, I mean, because you, you talk about your mindset of waking up, you know, what's my plan? And then, how we watch that alone show... And see how often they struggle to get food. That was food. Yeah. It, might, it was only a little bit of food, but like how excited they get when they have it because they know now know that they're they get a little bit of energy, extra energy for the next few days, and then you just have that taken away from you. It just really sucked. I'm gonna interrupt you real quick. We should do a whole episode like uh, I don't know. It doesn't have to be long at all, but we should do a whole episode on the breakdown of uh, the different seasons of Alone. I'm going back. I'm gonna rewatch all of them now. I haven't seen. I've only seen two. So, oh, you're missing out. There's so many good ones. I'm gonna watch them all. There's a terrible one. I think the dual one, the the team one. I wasn't a fan of that one. I'll skip it then. No, definitely watch it because there's some good stuff on there. Because you would see like if a uh, crew mentality, what happens if your uh, counterpart is not up to par. But yeah, great show. <laughs> I got a question from a friend. He just sent it to me. Okay. And I don't know if. <laughs> Damn it, man. <laughs> Ah, uh, I'm torn. I don't know. Show it to me. What is it like? You don't know if you can say it or. I mean, I'm just trying to like, I mean, it's whatever. It's our podcast, right? So we can literally say whatever the, whatever we want to, but damn it, dude. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh my god. It's a thing though, right? Fucking send it. Alright, you ready? So I don't know if I should say his name. No, I won't say No, it. don't say his name. Because you saw who it is, right? Oh, I didn't even look to see who it oh, was. Oh, dude, it makes it even better. Let me see. Look who it is. Alright, yeah, go ahead. Don't say his name. But yeah, say... yeah, yeah. I'll just say his first name. Okay. Well, he's gonna anyway. Yeah, he'll know. <sighs> Do you want me to read it? No, no, I'm going to read it, but okay. I'm trying to figure out the right way to address this because all right, I've never called him by his first name, ever. So this is going to sound really weird, but damn it, Jacob. 
All right. What a great question. <laughs> uh, I don't want to spend 15 minutes on this because it's so simple. You ready? Yeah. How do you feel about post nut clarity? I mean, it's absolutely a real thing. Um, <laughs> afterwards, I mean, sometimes afterwards, man, you're like, damn, I'm ashamed. I uh, can wrap this up with one reference, unfortunately, to the internet. What's the first thing you do when you win the lotto? <laughs> I don't know. Never won. What would be the first thing you would do? I mean, you probably make a dumb decision, right? So the first thing you're supposed to do when you found out you won the lotto is immediately rub one out. You have post not clarity, so you make all the right decisions. <laughs> 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 oh dude right that is hilarious i've never heard that yeah man that's a great idea honestly though no I've never yeah now that. you're thinking clearly now you're thinking clearly so you make all the right decisions like get lawyers involved and not go buy a bugatti you know <laughs> don't blow it all and land in montana <sighs> don't blow it all in one place <laughs> I see what you did there. Damn it, Jacob. What a great question. I owe it. Let's see. Uh, there's another question. Hold on, let me find out who sent it. I'm actually surprised how many questions we did get. It's quite a, we've gotten quite a few. What is your favorite English beer? You mean like in England? Like the the Queen's beer, yeah the 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 warm room temperature beer. How much time would you say you spent in the UK? Close to a week. So you have definitely drank some some beer over there, right? Uh, yes. Actually, one of my favorite experiences in the actually my favorite, no, second favorite. Uh, one of my favorite experiences in the UK was when we went to Cambridge University, and then there's that bar there that was. Uh, we talked like, about this on yeah, the very first episode, and I, I found all the pictures of it after that, and I was like, "What's it called?" The Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles. It's basically, um, for those of you that don't know, it's basically a bar where World War One aviators used pub. to. It's a pub. Sorry, it's a pub. A it's pub where World War One aviators used to frequent, and it's really cool. They still have like the old, like the old foundation, the old bricks in some spots, and I mean, it's a really, it's really cool as far as history is concerned. That's so. where they announced the discovery of DNA. Uh, it burnt down, and there was a kid that was living upstairs. He had a candle that tipped over, and the upper portion burnt down, and he was in there. So it's haunted. So they always leave a window open. Huh. Uh, what else? Yeah, we talked about all the World War II pilots signed it, the the roof there. Yeah. It's awesome. So um, the best English beer, you ready? Dixon Cider. Oh. English. Ah, uh, true. Yeah, we know your geography. <laughs> Dixon Cider. Next question. Yeah, I didn't... I only went for brands I knew when I was there. I went for, like, actually, I loved drinking Guinness in England. I like I'm not I'm not a huge Guinness fan back in the states. Yeah, but when we were, we were actually at the Eagles, I was like, ah oh, hell, you know I'm close enough to Ireland. Let, let's give it a sh- let's give it a go. And I loved it, and that's that's all I drank that whole trip. 
Abbott is the go-to from Green Kings. Uh, I think it's like five, six percent. I don't know. It's probably more than that anyway. It's warm. You drink a few. You have terrible headache. Good stuff. But Dixon Cider. All right, you ready? Yeah. If you had a Meeseeks box, nice. What would be your one command? <laughs> I or know what mine your, is. Your request? Yeah, your request. To, to, for them to you ready? Whatever. I know what mine is. What? Take two strokes off my golf game. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. So this is a Rick and Morty reference for yes. those that don't know. Rick and Morty, um, the Me Six box. It's a little device. You hit the button, a alien pops out, and his only mission or job for his existence is to satisfy your request. And upon him doing that, he dies. And his whole goal is to die because that means he did his his job. They want to die, right? So, open a jar. I think these are examples. Open the jar for you that's stuck. Uh, fix the dishwasher. I think was one. It has to be simple, right? Can't be complex. Keep it simple. Um, Take two strokes off my golf game. Actually, no, I don't want to say that because that means I'm Jerry. I'm not a Jerry. You don't want to be Jerry. No. I should have thought about this one because I read it earlier and I haven't thought about it at all. Watch my truck. <laughs> simple. Watch my truck. <laughs> so he washes your truck and then he dies. All right. I mean, you used open the jar as one reference. Opens a jar, then dies. Mine would be turn $10,000 into a million dollars. Through you, you said keep it simple. Through crypto. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if we're getting that elaborate, then yeah. But you said keep it simple. All right, I got one. Okay. Look behind you. Organize my garage. Totally fair. Yeah. Winning a Mises box. That's pretty funny, right? It's a good reference. Is that why you asked me if I watched Rick and Morty earlier? Uh, no. No, I, because I was watching Rick and Morty the other day. That's why I said it. And then um, a good friend of mine sent me the season six premiere, like the uh, the trailer for it. And it got me thinking about it. I saw that last night. Oh, okay. All right. I think I did have one more question. Hold on one second. This one's easy. Fresh water, salt water, salt water any day. Yeah, you can do so much more in salt water. Bigger fish, harder fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Salt water. It really doesn't matter what it is. Be grouper, snapper, a shark. And salt water so fish. Salt water so easy. Yeah. Put shrimp on a hook, toss it out there. Yeah. If you're catching I've caught a massive variety of fish on just a piece of shrimp. That one's a really in-depth question. I'm not going to ask that one. Um, that one's a hard one. I don't know. I want to talk about it. It's a good question. Uh, can you talk anything about the survival mindset? Yeah. No. <laughs> Next question. No, I don't want to downplay that one. I mean, it's a great point. Uh, the biggest thing is... I think I wrapped it up pretty, pretty well at the beginning. Prioritize positive mindset. Actually, I got a funny story. So uh, this week, I was out in the water, and I even made the joke. I was like, hey, it, 
some people get seasick. I'm just letting you know. And everyone's laughing. Like, it's Bowers Beach. What do you mean we get seasick? And it was one-foot waves, dude, if that. But it was the the frequency of the waves. So I had about 12 guys out there, and we were about 150 meters offshore. And as soon as they all got in that freaking life raft, I'm talking about priority one, health and welfare. Let's go ahead and talk about the different injuries you can sustain, right? And then I bring up seasickness, and I tell them, my dad was a deep-sea captain. I know the look. Who here's ever experienced it? Because one of you has the look right now, and they're all looking around like, what? What are you talking about? And this one guy, and you you probably know him, actually. He was sitting right there, right across from me. I'm like, are you okay? And he looked up and goes, I'm not okay. <laughs> I was like, I know you're not. Trust me. Look I, at how green you are. <laughs> He's looking tell. at his hands, and he was like, yeah, I don't feel good. I'm like, get the hell out, man. Go back to the beach. He was straight up seasick. And it's crazy because we're 150 meters offshore. You can see all the houses there. Like you're out in the middle of the ocean, but he was dead. Um, Megan gets seasick or seasick, seasick. What the fuck? Seasick, really bad. Um, like she can't even read the damn road signs just riding in the car if she's the passenger without. It's no joke. Getting nauseous. It's no joke. Like a, like like real seasickness is no joke. I watched a guy who. It's so crazy, too, because there weren't even waves. There were not waves this day. The Coast Guard had their boats, their small boats, the ones that, that can't uh, submerge. They just always write themselves. Yeah. The Coast Guard were driving their boats through our life rafts to give us wake. And this guy was so seasick that he wasn't vomiting anymore. He lost everything in his stomach. So he started uncontrollably shitting himself. So he was shitting into his wetsuit and Viking suit. And it was so bad that we had to strip him down. We threw him in the water. We had to flip the raft over. And there's freaking feces everywhere. And he was so seasick. He was uncontrollably defecating. His body just was done. And they literally had to load him up and get him back to shore. I'm looking around like, there's not waves. Some people, man, they just can't deal with it. Like, we had to... So, I've had to cancel two fishing trips short um, because Megan got seasick. So the first time we went down to Ocean City um, for the weekend and we wanted to go offshore and go do some fishing. We actually just, we were going after, I think, Wahoo. And, hey, that's fun. And um, we didn't even make it a mile out before she started getting sick. But luckily, we found a massive bait ball like mile, two miles offshore. And we were just kind of trolling around that. And then finally Megan got to the point where she was just like, she's about to go. Right. And I'm not going to make her stay out there the whole time. It was a private charter. And the funny thing was we actually went to the little store that they have there ahead of time to get her some Dramamine. And the, uh, the lady in there was like, Oh no, the, you know, it's like glass this morning. You don't need to waste your money and poor Megan, man, she got super sick or like started feeling super sick. So, you know, we had to cut that short after like an hour, came back in. And then we were actually on our honeymoon in Montana. We did another trip going for Lake Trout. And um, we were uh, about an hour and a half, two hours in before we headed back. But like, again, leading into that, She's like, hey, you know, do you think this is a good idea? Do you think I'll be okay? I'm like, we're, we're going to be on a lake, right? Well, we should be fine. That's crazy. But then I failed to realize 
This isn't a normal Delaware lake. Yeah. Hell, this isn't even Lake George in Florida. This is a very large lake in Montana. Um, I forget what it's called. Steelhead Lake? Flathead Lake? Flathead Lake, I believe. And it is very, it's a very big lake. And um, the uh, wind started going and started kicking up the waves real good. It, it, it was like we were in the ocean. It's just crazy to think you're seasick in a lake. Yeah. And we had to cut that one short. So um, Megan has promised me, basically, I'm allowed to go on a private charter by myself. You know, whenever I want to go do one. Yo, we should do it. I was leading into that. So, (laughs) um, you know, if you want to go after some striper, when those start running, that would be really awesome. Yeah, I'm totally down. There's some big striper over here. You also get bluefin up here, though, so that would be fun. That is also true. That would be cool. Yeah. Tuna in general is just fun. Anything looks like a bullet. Jade went um, years ago. Uh, What was it? Three, four years ago? And him and a group of people brought back 700 pounds of tuna. Yeah. At a price. Seven, oh, yeah, it's expensive. It's expensive, yeah. 700 pounds of tuna, though. I was like, some of those charters, they want like 15, 2,000 a person. But you want to hear kind of a fucked up story? Absolutely. So my dad admitted, I mean, it is what it is, but he admitted to me one night that uh, when you take a group of individuals out fishing, when someone is on the verge of being seasick, they kind of bring the morale down. They're literally the turd in the punch bowl, right? So what do you do to keep the party going? Get rid of the turd. So he would look and see that people would be on the verge of being seasick. So you either puke and rally. Not many people do. That is a slim margin of people that can actually pull that off. Because when you're seasick, you're seasick. Nothing stops except go on dry land, right? So what my dad used to do is go ahead and enhance the uh, seasickness effects. So when he would get out to the spot and they would be like, all right, we're either going to do some trolling, bottom fishing, whatever. So you're 60 miles offshore. And there's nothing in sight, right? So you're not going to recover. Trust me. So best thing you can do is go in the cabin, lay on the futon, be in the air conditioning. There's the kitchen in there. Get something to drink, eat, lay down, sleep. Just get on the futon and sleep. So what he used to do is enhance people getting them seasick. So that way, just go to bed. You're wasting everyone else's time. You're not going to get in that fighting chair. You're not. So what he would do is once the boat came to a stop, he would turn it sideways to the waves. So it's rocking side to side, not front to back. And a lot of people are always looking forward or backwards when they're in the boat. Very rarely do look side to side. I don't know, but so he would turn sideways. So now they're rocking side to side and that also enhances it. So, uh, the, when usually one person pukes, a lot of people are sympathy pukers. And also, are they on the verge of being seasick? Once again, it's bringing the morale down. If I can have these five guys catch the fish of their lifetime, they're having a great time. They're going to tip more. They're they're going to leave great reviews, whatever, right? I want them to have a good time. I don't want them to worry about Frank over here puking. So uh, as soon as that one person would puke, my dad would come off tower and he would just messed up. He's like, I love when they puke on the deck. And he'd get off tower and climb down the ladder and he'd be like, all right, here we go. Oh, oh, you're not feeling good. All right. And he would stick his finger in their puke and move it around. And he'd be like, well, there's a problem. You didn't chew your food up this morning. And he said, everyone else that's on the verge of puking will lose it. And he goes, good. So those three are going to go sleep now in the cabin. The rest of you, what's fish? <laughs> that's super messed up. But, hey, it is what it is. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah. 
my brother also gets seasick. Casey, he gets pretty seasick. First time he ever went deep sea fishing. We uh, did one of those uh, head boats out of uh, Ponce Inlet, Sea Spirit. Right where my dad fished. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, his first time ever out. This is like my second time. We uh, were at the very front of this head boat. And poor kid, man. Once we get out there, he's fishing a little bit and just gets sick. But I got to give him credit, man. He was a tr- trooper. He stuck with it. He's sitting there. He's got it. He's got his left hand on the rail, you know, resting his head on it. He is looking rough. Well, his fucking pole just bends in half, and he doesn't even realize it. No. And I'm smacking him on the shoulder like, "Casey, you ride, you ride!" Like, and he finally looks up like, "What?" Like, like I just woke him up from a nap or something. Like, what? And he sees it and he reels it up, and it was this big red snapper. And uh, he's got a picture with it. You see his hair's all fucked up. It's like going everywhere. And we got a picture of it. And then after that, then he was done. Usually if you give him like a task, you can kind of recover in that moment. But one more seasickness story. We'll move on. Because we're talking about a lot of seasick and puking. Uh, last year when I had the Coast Guard take me offshore here. So we were out like five and a half miles. When we showed up, the uh, we were at like our limit. The, it was like 24 knot sustained winds, five foot seas, and it was only increasing throughout the day. So I talked to uh, the Coast Guard. We all called. It was good. I was well with under or within my uh, my RM risk mitigation. So uh, we went ahead and head out. Well, when we did, I had a guy working for me, unfortunately, who uh, they just had to give this guy a job while they were seeing him out. And uh, he was a he was a problem child, I would say. And I had a lot of animosity towards this guy. And we show up, we stop at Wawa, we were all getting breakfast. It's like 4.30 in the morning. We're supposed to report to the dock by like 5, be on the boat by 5.30 so we can head out. And he shows up and he decided to buy two spicy Chipotle chicken burritos. And I looked at him like, hey man, are you sure that's a good idea? He's like, oh yeah, absolutely. I'm like, well, if you think that's a good idea, I would buy three because you're going to want lunch, right? He's like, okay, yeah, sure. So he starts downing some spicy Chipotle chicken burritos with a... Uh, tabasco or whatever it is you know so uh we get it to the dock and it is it's blowing they're already at indian river you can see waves inside the inlet there like oh yeah this is gonna be good and standing on the dock he literally is just looking at the boat moving and i look over at him and i see it on his face already and i'm like hey man there's no heroes today stay back no no i'll be okay i don't think you're gonna be okay i see the look on your face i've seen this look a lot stay back like, no, no, nothing's going to stop me. I'm like, good, get on this boat. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Uh, I, was, I was hoping you said that. Yep. So he gets on the the uh, the boat, and as soon as that docking line got thrown on, I looked at him like, hey, this is your last chance. This boat does not turn around. He's like, no, I'll be okay. We weren't even out of the inlet yet, and he was already sitting down, and he had his hand right over his mouth doing the classic, you know, prepare for a burp. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be so good. I'm so excited to see him today. We didn't even have the life raft in the water all the way. And he was already over the edge of the boat, just dry heaving. And I said, hey, it will help to get in this small life raft. <laughs> Go ahead and hop in the life raft. So he leaves the boat. I'm like, you're not staying on this boat. You're not staying on this boat in that life raft. So he hops in. Boat started uh, drifting away. And I look, and I'm starting to assign task. You do this, you do this, you do this. And I look over, and he just waves me off. And I'm like, what, are you, what are you doing? He's like, I, I don't feel good. I'm like, I don't give a fuck if you feel good or not. I told you, grab this and do this. And he was, I, I can't. 
and I was like, at this point, he's useless, right? And I knew he was useless, but the whole point is I'm making him suffer now. So he goes ahead and starts getting seasick, and at that point, he bends over the life raft and just starts heaving. And this went on for two full hours. And to see, I have so many GoPro v- videos and clips of it. I was yeah, in his face. At one point, I literally stuck the GoPro in, like, in his mouth almost when he's puking. And I was just making a joke of it, and he was so mad at me, and I'm just laughing. But it didn't help. I was enhancing it. Same thing like my dad. I was standing up in the life raft, and at this point, we had proper like five and a half, six foot rollers. You know, we're still five miles offshore. And as they would come rolling through, I'd be screaming, this is a massive wave. Oh, my God. And every time I just made a big ordeal about it, he just kept puking. I said, good, good. Dumb decision, man. I told you, don't come out. Oh, well. All right, I do have one more question, which leads me into one more story, which uh, we can wrap this up because I think this is we're about to go into a bit, this being our longest episode. Uh, okay. You ready? You ready? Coolest fish you ever caught. Mine short and sweet. You ready? The next one. Very fair. Um, flounder. It's just cool because it's like a doormat, you know? Yeah. Um, it's different. Um, they I mean, don't look I, like they should be a fish. Right. They, they just look so they just look so weird. That and which is I guess why I think they're kind of cool. Um we went halibut fishing up in Alaska, so that's just a flounder yeah, kind of but massive flounder. on steroids, right? Yeah. We were catching, I think they're around 60, 50, 60 pounds, but they get up to like three hundred. You just look at it like how is this a fish? It swims not sideways, but up and down. It has two eyes together on one side and it's got a sideways mouth. It doesn't look right. Yeah. Um, but this this brings me into my story of we went fishing today. I'm finally catching back up, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess so. I have not been skunked on my boat. That's the good news. And the better news is we it pays to be nice to people. We oh, were yeah. throwing everything in the water today. And it wasn't until you were nice to a guy passing by on a kayak. Yeah, man. Just like, hey, good morning. How you doing? Mm, you know. How's it going for you? Rough morning. And he's like, yeah, you know, uh, he said, he, he said a couple different, he tried a couple different things, but you know, he was, he got some hits on top water and crankbaits. And, uh, he said he, one he, word movement. Yeah. Movement. Yeah. He's like, so, they, they want movement. And we're like, man, I guess the top water is the only thing we've been throwing that's movement. I've been fishing slow on the bottom, you know, and then a uh, light bulb. So I switched to a crankbait first cast. I got that bump, mm-hmm. broke surface, hopped off. It was like on my fourth cast. I finally landed one. And to be fair, I did have one on the old wacky, uh, the pink. But I got off. Senko, yeah. Had it at the boat on ultralight tackle. I bet you. I bet, I bet that thing was like dropped right in front of his face, though. Yeah. Oh, it, so. it was. I threw it up on that lily pad. Yeah. And then I caught a decent size one. Was it 13 inches? I think we said it was. 13 and a half. Yeah, 13 and a half. Yep. And that one uh, crankbait as well. Long story short on that, though, is the score is now four to two. So I'm still, it's not looking good, but I've not skunked on my boat. I'm making a comeback. Hell yeah. Hey, you know, sunshine's on a dog's ass every now and again, I guess is what they say. But you won today, and I can't do anything to take that away from you. Not, not at this point. And one thing we can't take away 
is picking a winner. Yeah, we got to pick a winner. So, uh, you ready? Yeah. This is the only fair way I know how to do it. Okay, you already have it all set up? No, because uh, this random generator wanted me to actually put in every single person's name individually. So, yeah. what I have now is 51 people pulled up on my phone. I'm going to pass my phone over to John here. And, John, what you're going to do is close your eyes, scroll randomly, and touch one random name. So just so everybody knows, John is Derek's father-in-law and has no idea, doesn't know anybody on in this group, on this page. So this is the most unbiased, most random way we can do this, I guess. Cool. So here's 51 members. Scroll through, close your eyes, pick a random person. He said Armstrong. Bryce Armstrong. Bryce Armstrong wins the Cabela's gift card. Bryce Armstrong. He's a he's I know him. Yeah. 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 Two months. Yeah. I don't know anything about admin shit and I'm learning a lot right now. <laughs> cool. I was like, you're one of the admins. You haven't even played around with it yet? No, yeah, yeah. I ha- okay. I have accepted, I guess, or whatever. Okay. But yeah, all right. Bryce Armstrong <laughs> is the winner. We will uh, we'll wait a couple of days to make the post it on uh, the Facebook group. Make you guys actually have to listen to it, and uh, but uh, it's coming to you. And make sure you uh, you know send us some pictures of whatever you buy, so we uh, we know it's getting put to good use. Do you work with them? Yeah, cool. Yeah, he he's uh, one of the guys I work with that's on the page. Yeah, yeah. bye man. Yeah, cool. Yeah, he's a uh, outdoorsman. I guess as, obviously, as, as is everybody that's on that page. I guess that's uh, hopefully unneeded. But cool. All right, one more thing before we go. I mentioned this. I've got a pet peeve with uh, servers and lemons right now. Yeah, I was. Dang it, that's a great point. I even highlighted that, and I was like, oh. So you said you have a bone to pick with lemons, not lemons particularly, because so anyway, here's the here's the scenario. So every time. I go to a restaurant and you know, you order water or sweet tea. Those are the two main things I get water or sweet tea, which by the way, sweet tea is very limited around these parts. Yeah, it is. But, um, anyway, they always either ask, do you want lemon or they just bring you lemon? So I've made it a point to always say no lemons. For whatever reason, eight times out of 10, I always get extra lemons in my damn water or sweet tea. <laughs> we went to Texas Roadhouse a couple weeks ago, and the dude's like, hey, do you want lemons in your sweet tea? I was like, no. I like, I even went on like this 10, 15 second thing of like, I hate lemons in my drink because of like, I don't I don't like the seeds getting into them and like, <laughs> like falling in my drink and then it like clogs up my straw. It, it's a dumb thing. Okay, I acknowledge that. However, it bothers me. So I was like, no, man, I hate lemons. Fucker brings me a sweet tea and he has three damn lemon slices. <laughs> to be fair, I was a server for three years, and if I had a guest complain to me for 10, 15 seconds about how much I hate lemons, I would put lemons in their, their, their drink and walk away. I wasn't complaining. He <laughs> yeah, me, you okay? were. He's, he's like, like, you bitching you... over here. Oh, yeah. And, he, and he's like, lemons you in your sweet tea is called Arnold Palmer, bro. <laughs> he's like, do you want lemons? I was like, nah, man, I hate lemons. You know, I hate them so much. <laughs> 
I was trying to be nice, but it, well, anyway, tonight we go to uh, Meddings and what's Meddings? Seafood place down the uh, road on US One. Is that the place of like the uh, the, the props? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Is anyway, well, I mean, you you go there, I guess, but I have never been there. It's I good. pass by it a lot. All right, it's good. Um, it's not. It's it's fine. It's good. Anyway, well, uh, I have not since living here. I have not had seafood that's blown me away. Have you been to JP's? Yeah, I don't think there's anything special. Okay, I was blown away. The only thing that blew me away there is you walk out the front. There's a Lamborghini parking out in the parking lot, and I was like, "There's a Lamborghini in Bowers Beach." <laughs> they good. Cra- they get good crab cakes. I also get the steam pot combo though, so yeah, it's expensive. Anyway, anyway, so I asked the server, or the server asked me, you know, do you want lemons? I was like, no. Nah. Gives me two fucking lemons. That one was quick. Well, anyway, that's my fun fact. If you next time you get a lemon, you know what you should do with it. What's that? I mean, it doesn't really make a difference at that point, but you can rub it on the rim of your glass, and supposedly it cleans the glass because you know how dirty some glasses are from restaurants. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I worked at a restaurant, and uh, very interesting what goes on when you work at a restaurant. My parents owned one. Yeah. Watch the movie Waiting. It explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's going to be all for us tonight. Um, Bryce Armstrong, congrats, man. Yeah. And that's uh, awesome. thanks to everybody for listening. And a big thanks to those that uh, sent us some questions, gave us some quality content. And uh, Derek, we'll see you next time. I will see you next time, my friend. Actually, I'll probably see you before next time, but probably see you tomorrow. Till next time. Probably see you tomorrow when we go scout some uh, hunting yeah. land. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, All right. See you later. See you.